Hope everybody's doing well this morning, and uh, I kind of echo what Brother Tim said. It's been, uh, I think, um, maybe four Sundays in a row that I've been gone, uh, traveling uh, to different churches in Blooming Grove, and I was at Macedonia last week, and um, the week before that, we um, were in Georgia uh, at a uh, rodeo event for the girls there all week, and our plan was to go to cool springs where brother sam bryant preaches and uh i was going to surprise him um and uh i felt like if i called ahead of time he would he would uh, be adamant that uh, that i would preach not because i'm a good preacher but because he's very kind so i said well i'll just surprise him i'm not gonna wear a jacket i'm not gonna wear a tie and i'm doing everything i can do so he won't call on me to preach <laughs> and so uh we went and um took uh it was all my families all six of us and my parents and my in-laws and so there were 10 of us and uh pull up and and as we turn the corner we see the church over there it's in a beautiful setting if you've never been there we pulled up right at 10 30 we're running a little bit behind and there was not a car in the parking lot and i thought "Uh uh-oh and we um we frantically searched the website and come to find out they didn't meet that sunday so uh, that came back to trying to surprise them came back to bite me so uh, the benefits, I guess, of traveling with a preacher is that we gathered under some shade trees right there, and we uh, had church uh, under those shade trees, and it was very, very hot, but it was a blessing, and uh, I think that's always, somebody told me a long time ago, if you want your children to value church, then you got to value church, and uh, so we always make a point wherever we are if, we are, if it is possible that we find a place to worship, and in that case, uh, we truly did it like the old times, and we always talk about if the Lord walked up into a church service, would he recognize it? He would have recognized that one. Uh, because it was uh, under the shade trees and the heat, but it was uh, a blessing. But I missed being here, uh, although I'm not your pastor. Uh, I, I consider this home, and uh, I always miss it when I'm not here, so it's good to be back. I'd like to share a few thoughts with you this morning from the book of Ephesians. I want to read up several passages here, and these passages are passages that, to me, that bring a great strength to God's people, a great encouragement to God's people. Oftentimes in the Bible, uh, uh, you know, the, the Lord tells us that He knows our needs, right? Uh, whether we go to Him in prayer or not, the Lord knows what we need. And um, oftentimes, one of the things that we need is encouragement and we need to be strengthened. Uh, he, uh, one of the uh, phrases in the Bible that I like to read, it talks about to lift up your hands that hang down and your feeble knees. Uh, that's a picture of somebody that maybe is in despair or somebody that is maybe uh, suffering, or somebody that maybe just is overcome and burdened with all the weights of the world that we endure uh, our entire life uh, in different ways. And in Ephesians, the third chapter, I find uh, some passages here that bring great strength to God's people. And I'll start reading in verse 13. And it says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And as I read those passages of scriptures here recently, one verse in there uh, particularly stood out to me, actually a couple of them, but one I want to focus on today. And that's verse 20, where it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. us." And to me, uh, there's so much depth in that verse that it's hard to even touch on in a a great number of sermons. Um, But it's a verse to me that really just kind of defies my ability to comprehend. Uh, It talks about... Uh, that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, meaning he is able to do things that my mind cannot even formulate the imagination of to ask him for it. He's able to do above and beyond all of those different types of things. The child of God, listen to this now, the child of God should never be imprisoned by logic. You hear that? The child of God should never be in bondage or imprisoned by human logic. Why? Because we serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above our logic. Right? Now, I want you to think about the time. Maybe there's times in our life where we limit God. Not what he, not, we don't limit what He can do. We limit it in our mind what the Lord will do. And it imprisons us in a sense. I want you to think for a second over in John the 11th chapter. Do you remember the account where Lazarus is sick and he dies? Right? And his sisters, Mary and Martha, they send for Jesus, who is several days journey away. And Jesus waits before he comes to see Lazarus. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. And his sisters are heartbroken over it. The scene that you see in the Bible is you've got multitudes of people weeping over Lazarus. And what happens is Jesus finally, at his appointed time when he was ready, he comes to where Lazarus is and Martha meets him on the way to Lazarus. And what does Martha say to him? Martha says, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. All right, do you see that? She capped off and limited what the Lord was able to do. Right. She was not. Of course, she didn't have this verse written at the time, but she was not believing and acting in a way that the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. Because she says, if you would have just been here, then my brother wouldn't have died. Now we're out of options. I know we'll see him again at the resurrection. But hey, period, case closed. My brother's dead and there's nothing else that can be done. Of course, we know she was wrong, right? I want you to think about on the other end of that. All right, look at the despair that Martha had. I want you to look on the other end of that at the Roman centurion servant that you can read about in Matthew the 8th chapter. In uh, that chapter, you've got a Roman centurion who has a servant who clearly he loved dearly. And the Bible said he was sick of the palsy and he was grievously tormented. He didn't have a sore throat. He didn't have a head cold. He was grievously tormented by whatever disease it was that he had. And uh, this Roman centurion servant, I mean, this Roman centurion goes to the Lord and he tells the Lord about it and says, hey, I've got a, a, a servant that's at home and he's sick. And, and that's all he says. He says, I've got a servant that's at home sick. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. 
Well, this brother believes that the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above all he asks or think. And so he says to the Lord, you don't even have to come. If you'll just say it, it'll be done. Now, would you rather be Martha who says this is ruined and it's over and the Lord was late and he's unable? Or would you rather be the Roman centurion that says, sure, come if you want to, but you don't even have to do that because I'm not going to put a cap and a limit on what you're able to do. Now, which one would you rather be? The Bible says he's able to do exceeding abundantly all the, above all we ask or think. Think about, um, I always think about Solomon. I believe it's in 1 Kings, the third or fourth chapter. Think about Solomon. The Lord comes to Solomon and he, you know, as a kid, you grow up and you watch these little cartoons with the genie and the lamp, right? You rub the lamp and the cloud comes out and there's a genie. And what does the genie say? Your wish is my command. What do you want? You know, you've got one wish. And as kids, I remember that we would all sit around and talk about, what would you do if you had one wish? And somebody would say, well, I'd ask for more wishes. No, you can't do that. You get one wish. What are you going to ask for? Remember, everybody's had that little argument. The Lord comes to Solomon and says, what do you want? What do you want? Your wish is my command. And Solomon says, I'm young. There's a multitude of people here that I'm in charge of. And you walked with my father, David. Lord, I've got to have some understanding and judgment. Please give me an understanding heart. He was asking for wisdom. And so the Lord says, you got it. But the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Right. And the Lord says, you ask for wisdom. You didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for the hand of your enemies. You ask for wisdom, but I'm going to go above and beyond that. And I'm going to give you all those other things anyway. Right. Right. Now, that's a little bit easier for me to comprehend. The Lord doing more than I ask of him. Right. The Lord doing more than we ask of him in our prayers. Lord, will you, you know, can you help me? We do this. And, and we've seen times that the Lord has done that. Right. What's hard to comprehend is the Lord being able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think. That's where my mind really starts to short circuit. But if you read through the Bible, you find account on top of account on top of account where he did exactly that. We've got more reason in this world to believe that he's able to do that because of all the many examples that we've got in the Bible that he did it. Right. But what do we do? Be honest with yourself now. And I'll be honest with myself. We walk around like Martha. Well, I just I'm I'm, I'm going to go by reason and logic. And this doesn't look like it's panning out. and It's not going to pan out. We're we're a bunch of Marthas. We want to be the Roman centurion. Right. Let's look at a couple of examples in the Bible. And <laughs> you read about this in the book of Exodus. But in Hebrews, we read a small caption of this and I want you to think about the parents of Moses for just a second in the time that Moses was born and sometimes you guys say look why do you spend so much time giving you know giving the history or the background or the or setting the stage of what is about to happen it's because we're a family integrated church right and there's people here that have been hearing sermons for 90 something years and there's people that are probably hearing this is when in their first 10 or so We've got little ears here, and they've got to learn the Bible too, right? So that's why I spend so much time sometimes laying the things, the groundwork that most of you already know. But if you remember that in uh, the time of Joseph, uh, they go into uh, the Hebrews and the Egyptians were coexisting, right? 
under the blessing of the Pharaoh at the time. But there comes a, a time passes. The Hebrews grow in number and uh, that the Pharaoh that exists now cared nothing about Joseph. The Bible says he knew nothing about Joseph. And he says, you know what? If the Hebrews who live among us, who coexist with us, if they decide to rebel, they can overtake us. So we've got to do something to get their numbers down. So he signed a death warrant to all the males that were going to be born. Now, among the Hebrew children. So I want you to think about that. What if the government today said, all right, starting today, every baby boy that is born is going to have to be executed. Think of the heaviness of that. Like we sit here and just read like, yeah, that'd be bad. No, think about it. Put yourself in those people's shoes. If you're a mama who is pregnant and you're feeling the baby kick, look, Lincoln back there, they would have taken Lincoln from the arms of his parents. Think about that. They would have taken baby Sam back there from the arms of his parents. That's awful. How would you feel if you were those parents? Well, there's a mother there, Moses' mother, that wasn't worried about it. How do you know she wasn't worried about it? Because Hebrews 11 tells me that by faith, she did not fear the king's commandments. Now, I would have been petrified. But Moses' mother wasn't afraid of it. Why? Because she believed that the Lord was able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And so she takes that baby, she puts him in a basket, she floats him down the river, and she sends Moses' sister to watch. Do you think it ever crossed her mind that somebody would find that baby and that person would be Pharaoh's daughter, the very man who signed the death warrant, his daughter is going to find this baby. Do you think she ever thought of that? Do you think she ever considered the idea that she would, that woman that found him would bring him back to her so she could nurse him and raise him? Do you think she ever considered that he would grow up in the house of the man who wanted him to originally die and that man would pay for his upbringing and he would live in the house under the very nose of the man that wanted to kill him? Do you think that ever crossed her mind? I doubt it. But the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. I bet she never thought about that. But I bet she prayed and asked the Lord for some type of deliverance. Right? right? She probably thought, Lord, I'm going to send this baby down the river. Please let somebody find him, have compassion on him, and take him out of this cursed country. That's probably what she thought. I bet she never thought it would end up like it did. But God's glory and God's mighty, merciful hand was very present in that situation, was it not? Right. What about as Moses, that very child we're talking about, what about as he grows and he gets to leave the bondage of the Egyptians and he leads uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people out of Egypt. He leads the Hebrew people out of Egypt. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, no, let's go get them. And they load up in their horses and chariots and they corner them. They corner them against the Red Sea. Now, listen, if somebody's coming after you, you don't have any weapons. They've got all the weapons. You probably don't have any horses and chariots. They've got all the horses and chariots and you have nowhere to go. Do you think any one single Hebrew person as they contemplated, how in the world are we going to escape the hand of Pharaoh? Do you think any of them thought, well, I'll tell you one way, 
if we could just make this C part right down the middle. The Bible says it congealed. And we'll just walk across dry land. What do you think about that? If you would have even proposed that, they would have said, send him to Pharaoh. This guy's crazy. Right? But the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Amen. Or think. Let me give you a few more examples. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? In the fourth chapter of Daniel. I'm going to flip over there for just a second because there's a, one particular verse that I want to read here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down before Nebuchadnezzar's image of gold, right? And because of that, Nebuchadnezzar is angry with them. And Nebuchadnezzar says, let's take them, let's bind them, heat the furnace seven times hotter than it's normally heated, and I want us to throw them in, number one, to punish them. But why else do you think he did it? He did it to set an example. Yeah, everybody else is contemplating following them. Once they see their skin sizzling, they won't do it, right? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say this. As they're getting ready to be bound and thrown into the fire. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Don't miss that. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of the hand, O king. See, here, here are three Hebrew boys, probably, probably upper teens, maybe, maybe lower 20s, that they find themselves in the world's eyes, they find themselves in a pickle. Hey, we're going to stand for the Lord, and we're not 100% sure how this is going to play out, but we know that God is able. But do you think any of those three Hebrew boys ever thought the way the Lord was going to deliver them was to take the power away from the fire? None of them thought that. They probably thought, I don't know what's fixing to happen. But there's fixing to be an army coming here and take, attack them or, or Nebuchadnezzar's going to fall over dead or, or these, these, you know, they probably knew something about Samson. You know, he's going to give us great strength and we're going to fight. Our... They never thought, I imagine, that he's going to take the power away from the fire. And they fell in the fire. The smoke didn't, uh, didn't clog up their lungs. And the fire had no heat to it. To them. Now it sizzled and burned up the men that threw them in there, right? You think they ever thought that's how he's going to deliver us? I doubt it. Do you think David, when he loaded that pocket, that bag full of stones, do you think David seriously ever thought I'm going to end this in the first shot no no he didn't he had five he picked up five smooth stones people say well that's because Goliath had four brothers maybe maybe but I, I, I would say because if that were me I'm not going to just get one bullet I'm going to load up I've got a giant in front of me and I believe God is able to deliver me see King Saul told David you're not able you're not able. But what did David believe? Yeah, you're right. But my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. Right. But do you think David ever contemplated first shot? The first shot, I'm going to take this giant down. I'm going to walk over there and cut his head off. I doubt he thought about that. Do you think Job, when Job had lost everything, when 
Job's experience would have driven most of us to suicide? Do you think Job, when he sat there having lost his family, having lost his belongings, his wife has turned against him, and he's not in ICU, he's sitting in a pile of ashes with a broken pot scraping the sores off of his body. Do you think it ever crossed his mind that there were better days coming? Do you think it ever crossed his mind, as the Bible tells us, that I will be blessed more in my end than I was at my beginning? Do you think he'll, he ever thought that? Do you think he ever thought, I'm going to live a long life and find joy and peace and happiness again? But the Bible describes to us in the last part of Job there that he lived, uh, I want to say, 140 years, and he saw his sons, sons, up to four generations. And it says his daughters were beautiful. And that he multiplied his possessions much more than he had at the beginning. But do you think Job ever thought that would happen? Of course not. How do you know that, Luke? Because I'm human and he had the same nature I've got. And by nature, we're all Marthas. It says, the spirit of Martha would say, it's not going to happen, Job. This is as good as your, your best days are gone. It's not going to happen easily, David. You better load that bag full of stones. It's not going to happen, Israel. You better start swimming, right? It's not going to happen, Moses' mother. You better find another route. But the spirit of the Roman centurion says, oh yeah, he's able. He's able to do it. Now, very quickly, let me think. Let's talk personally. Did you ever think, I didn't, did you ever think you would ever see Roe versus Wade overturned? I didn't. I said, this country is on a downhill spiral. Wicked men are in authority. Nobody seems to care about the things of God anymore. There is no way that we will turn Roe vs. Wade over and save the lives of millions of babies. And then all of a sudden it happens. You see, Martha would have said, there's no way. There's no way. We should have done something years ago. But the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen. Now look, I can't tell you this from a personal testimony, but He can. Do you know that there was a day that He met over here long before I ever came, and I think there was about eight people? And he's told you the story where Brother Tim would go back behind the church and pray. I'm sure Brother Tim prayed for revival. But I don't know that he ever pictured this. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What about Zion? One person. Do you think anybody really thought that it is possible to revive that church? But the same God that parted that sea that put the power in that one stone, that took the heat from the fire, that put it in the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to have compassion on a Hebrew boy who should have been killed on the spot. That same God rules today. And He's ruling in Roe vs. Wade. He ruled in the revival of this church. He's ruling in the revival of Zion. And who knows what He can do? It's beyond our comprehension. I talked to Brother Josh Coke yesterday. We spent some time together. He said, what are you going to preach on? And I told him, and and he said, well, I preached on that not too long ago. 
And he said something that really intrigued me. He said, uh, he said I've got a prayer list, uh, and part of my prayer list, uh, he said, I've got about 10 things listed in an exceeding abundantly column. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. Amen. That's pretty faithful. There are 10 things that he prays that he knows would be big things only God can do. Right. And he said, he said, one of the things on that list is that one day that our parking lot at Vestavia is overflowing. Right. And I said, well, Brother Josh, it says we can comprehend that. I said, but God can shut down I-65 from Birmingham to Huntsville for people wanting to get there to hear the word of God. That's more than we can think. Right. But he's able to do that. That's right. And that's a small thing compared to part in the sea. Amen. Right? Yeah. That's a small thing compared to taking the heat from a fire. Amen. There are things that discourage us and cause us to despair. We think there's no way I'll ever find the right job. There's no way I'll ever find the right spouse. There's no way that I'll be able to reconcile and mend broken relationships. There's no way. Brothers and sisters, don't be a Martha. Right. Because God is able. Right? That God is able. And this is about strengthening God's people. We should never be bound by human logic. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I remember years ago, Brother Jonathan Blakely came and preached here. And I, don't, I, I remember some things that he preached about, but I don't, I don't know why this particular thing steps, uh, stays in my mind. But he said, he remembers times in his life when he, seen, he said, I, I was in a situation where I did not feel like there was any way out. And then he said, all of a sudden, I just stepped to higher ground. Amen. That's why he described it. Why is that? It's because God is able to do it exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. And I hope that encourages you. Uh, please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.